look, they're a top team. They're the benchmark, and uh, we're not there yet. And uh, we're under no illusions about that. But I just felt I thought the second half was okay. First half, I just thought we were a little bit too passive in a lot of our play and allowed them to get a bit of a rhythm in the game, and it's not what you want against them. And, you know, it's very hard to kind of arrest that mid-game. And um, like I said, I thought we started the second half a lot better and you know, a bit more conviction about our play. But ultimately, um, like I said, we were, we were just working as hard as possible to stay in the game. And, um, yeah, um, that wasn't going to be enough tonight. The reason that I'm here is because, you know, the club is seeking change. He said, well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know, my hope and my desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aestetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. This is episode 162 as Tottenham Hotspur have crashed out of the FA Cup to the holders, Manchester City, a 1-0 defeat at home. We'll start by throwing it out to Scott. He is at Scott G. Bird. Scott, what's going on with you, man? Chilling, man. Tough result today, but I spent it at the golf sim, so it could have been worse. And um South Africa is in the round of 16, so whatever. Shit happens. You're, you're satisfied there. Caroline is also with us. She's at CG Stefko. Kaz, I know that a lot of people are taking that loss pretty tough, and I know you're one of them. That was uh, not an easy one to handle. How are you holding up? Well, I know it was probably the correct result in the end, but that doesn't make it easier to take. It's just tough knowing that you know one of the very few chances we have at getting a trophy is now gone and it will likely be another season without one so well at least on the men's side uh, the women are still in both cups so you never know man you never know we just talked about being more optimistic the the horse. Chat, so. <laughs> yeah let's let's not put the cart before the horse it's still a team that only finds itself eight points behind the top of the table. So there's a lot of season left to be played still. Uh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to close any doors as of yet. Uh, we are going to talk about the FA cup defeat. We're all, we'll also get on to talking about the women's team uh, who had a very nice victory yesterday, Thursday uh, against Southampton to advance to the quarterfinals of the league cup. Um, we are recording this podcast a little bit earlier than usual. We did talk about that last week. Um, that's my fault. Uh, blame me. So we're not going to have the women's result against Manchester City on Sunday to talk about in this pod, but we will get to that in the next podcast, and we'll we'll get to all of that. But um, let's start with with this this men's result. Um, th- like the buildup for this one, there was a long layoff once again. This January has been very strange. Um, big buildup to this game. Obviously, didn't go exactly the way we wanted it to with the late winner from uh, from Ake, but. Uh, Scott, I don't know. Like, I want to kind of turn this over to to the two of you because I think you two are a little bit more um, broken up about this, and I don't blame you for that. I kind of went into this game thinking this is going to be a really tough road to hoe. I don't really fully expect Spurs to get the result here. Not down on them. Like, I, I knew they'd go for it, and I knew they'd you know have a crack, as Ange Postacago likes to say. But um, 
there just was really nothing doing for Spurs in this game. It was it was like it felt like the 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 field was tilted pretty much the entire match, um, and it was always going to be a, a a long long road to try and, and and defeat this team, which is obviously really good. It's Manchester City. I mean, Ange said it in the post match that that's where we're trying to get to, and there's obviously still a, a long way to get there. What what are your you know what's your grand takeaway from from this this you know result and crashing out of the cup at this stage? Yeah, I mean, I'll first talk about the result and then, you know, separate, sep- crashing out of the cup. Um, I think the, the match itself, obviously, can't be upset with the result. You know, against City, you, you don't you don't always stand a chance of coming away with one, right? We didn't today. But we were just, we were just terrible. And that's what makes the result, I think, sting a little bit more. Because um, we just looked like absolute shit today. I, I understand when you're going up against a midfield of, of their caliber, regardless of who starts, whether it's their first or second string, um, guys like Rodri, I talked about him on the last show. I think Rodri is the best center midfielder on the planet. Um, and we're missing Sar and Basuma. It was always going to be a challenge to, to take control of the game in any way, shape, or form. You've, you've got an attack that's you know, we can talk about form, struggling, whatever, but three guys who really haven't played together, you know, more than 90 minutes at this point, um, it's always going to be tough. So the result doesn't bother me, but the, the, the way we went out and just put up a stinker makes it all the more challenging to to move on from the result. Um, but it is what it is. Like I said, we could put out our first 11 and still lose that game. So we, we move on. Um and then as far as crashing out of the cup, it's it's a big disappointment for me. Um, I still think the Carabao Cup loss was worse than this one for sure. I mean, you look at the opponent, um, what we could have done with, with the selection there against Fulham. So that one still stings more for me. But in a year where we don't have Europe, it's just a shame. And I don't have another word for it, but it really is just a shame that we've crashed out of both domestic cups in the first couple of rounds of them. Um, again, like I said, in, in a season with no Europe to compete with. Caroline, you feel the same way? Yeah, you know, I, I did see some fans on Twitter, you know, kind of criticizing Ange for this one, similar to the Fulham game in the League Cup. And I just don't see it that way. You know, I think he really put out pretty, pretty close to the best team we had available, all things considered. I might disagree with maybe one of the selection choices, but I, I don't think it's his fault that several of our best players just had pretty stinky games, frankly. Um, and of course, you know, when this draw was announced, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I, I didn't feel good about it to begin with simply because we weren't going to have sun and we all know, he's, he's a big game player for us and he, he loves to score against city. And I, I really felt like we were going to be lacking something without him. And I think we did because it was pretty clear that the attack was really the weakest link in the performance today. Although I don't think the midfield was much better. (laughs) Yeah. I think they, they go hand in hand. If you ask me, I mean, I really thought, um, you know, playing, playing Kulisevsky kind of in that spot uh, with, the front three in front, which it was, it was really interesting to me because I, you know, we we've criticized, I've criticized hold up play from 
players like Richarlison and, and, you know, even Brennan Johnson to an extent um, throughout the season, but there were opportunities in this match. I felt like to get those guys loose and free behind a city press that is obviously relentless and they're going to control the game and control the pace and control the ball. But there were opportunities and I just felt like Kulisevsky was not able to, to find those players. It was, it was more, you know, they were having to come back to the ball and link up to that midfield. The front three was rather than kicking it forward and, you know, putting the pressure on city to go defend a long ball or something like that. Um, it was, you know, I don't think Bentoncourt had his best game. I, I thought Hoybier, surprisingly enough, and maybe this is just because we're judging it because it's Hoybier, but I thought for 75 or so minutes, I thought he played fairly well, but then the final 15 were just awful, um, like beyond awful. I thought when Skip came in, it, 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 it did kind of help, which was a surprise to me as well. But obviously, you know, I, I James Madison, it would have been great to see him for a full match. He's just coming back from the injury. He did get to appear in this match, which I think it's really hard when you force a, a central attacking midfielder to come in and change a game in the final 20 minutes. It's not it's not always going to work, but I think you're right. I, like, I would have liked to have seen more opportunities for Brennan Johnson and Timo Werner on the outside. Um, you know, Richarlison, I thought once again, just busted his ass and pressed and and did all he could but you could have had peak harry kane in this game and it wouldn't have mattered like there, there was no service um scott where are you with this, this the attack and the mesh between like the front three the midfield i i just i felt like there was they just didn't have the horses in this game yeah i mean i i, I would have loved to have us to been able to find a way to get kulisevsky up top on the right last time we played city he really opened them up from from the right flank, um, but we were struggling for bodies in the midfield and specifically creative bodies. I think Brennan Johnson's a good player. I, I'm certainly not not within this group that that wants to to say he's not good enough and you know pick on pick on him on social media, whatever we want to say. You know, I'm not, certainly not in that group, and I think he will will very much come good. He needs to be given time and. Um, he's he's playing on another level than he was at Forest. We know that, but his spacing's really good. I've said this a couple times on the show. Positioning's great. He understands the system and the flow uh, of our offense, and we want to pick on his 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 final pass or or his cross, right? Which I think he puts in a good low ball too. So all that'll come. Um, but for but for me, it's just the inexperience. Timo Werner's now started twice for the club, and he's played. You know, almost 180 minutes, maybe 180 minutes. I can't remember if we went the full length today, but um, and obviously trust him really kind of has to, right? But we can't expect much from a front three who who is still learning how to play together. Is what I said at the at the at the start of the show, and um, I think Richarlison, like you said, pressed really well. I think he showed a lot of heart, a lot of effort. Um, but I also think that without a guy like Sun to soak up a lot of the presence and pressure in the box it it puts a lot of strain on Richarlison and he's a great striker but you know he's not going to be able to to impact the game simply by playing and having the ball at his feet like you might see from from world-class superstars like an Mbappe so um yeah I, I I chalk it up to the inexperience and the lack of time together and I have every reason to think that if that front three kept starting match in match out they'd figure it out um 
I also would be lying if I said I want that to be our to, to be our front three, you know, match in, match out. But for what they're being asked to do, I can't sit here and pick on them by any means. Yeah, and I mean it's like you say, there's so many missing parts. I mean, Giovanni Lo Celso was is is hurt as well. Like it would have been yeah. nice to have a body like him in the middle to push Kulisevsky forward. Obviously, Sun Papsar is is missing. Ibasuma is is missing. Like there are so many bodies missing, and yet they played City to a one nil defeat where the goal and we'll talk about the goal. Well, don't don't get me wrong, but the goal came late and it was kind of dodgy. And I thought for the most part, like you know, I feel like Caroline, if you have one of a 90 minute James Madison performance, a Papsar, an Eve Basuma, like, or a young man's son, one of those four in this 11 probably changes things drastically. Right. Right. And I, I don't think anyone should be too critical of Madison for his performance because he's been out a long time. It's, I wasn't expecting him to be a, you know, magic bullet, off the bench today. Like it was nice to see him and good that he got some minutes, but I, I don't think there was really much realistic chance of him turning things around in that game because it was just too disjointed overall. I feel like the wingbacks we weren't getting enough from either or not wingbacks, fullbacks, you know what I'm trying to say? Um, Cause honestly, I, I really don't want to pick out individual players because I don't think it's productive in this, this situation, but you know, like I said earlier, I just think that there were quite a few players who really were not at their best today. Um, the de- the defense, I think, came out with a little bit more credit, uh, especially, you know, Mickey seeing him back. I feel like he's looking back to himself because, you know, the first couple of games he was back, it was kind of like, oh, he's being a little tentative, but he was superb. Um, and I, you know, I know we're going to have to talk about the goal that City scored, but it's, I, the way I feel about it is just that we did not do enough to win the game. So I can't be too upset about them getting this lucky break. You know, I don't like it, <laughs> of course, but it's, I, I can't, you know, honestly say that that we deserve to get something out of the game because we, we didn't, we had one shot on target and that's just not really good enough or what we've come to expect. Before we even get into talking about the goal, like I, I do want to double click on the defense and I kind of want to double click on both the fullbacks because I thought if you wanted to pick out any performance and you say we didn't get enough out of them, but I honestly thought those two were once again, and I sound like a, a, a broken record. Once again, they were the best players on the pitch for us. Like they were so very good. Um, I thought both Udogi and Poro, while they weren't able to get it forward like they normally do, they were so good defensively against a really potent city attack. Um, and I just thought they were, you know, they both picked up bookings. Like it was, <laughs> they were just, they were dug in, they were in this thing and really like deserve a lot of credit for, you know, that could have been a lot worse without those two guys out there. That That is the thing though. It's, it's good that they put in such a great shift defensively, but there was no realistic prospect of us winning this game because we weren't getting the usual, you know, attacking production that we see, especially from Udogi. You know, I think he's really important to the attack and we just weren't seeing that part of his game today. I thought he was, his passes were just all over the place. And partially we have to give some credit to city for their press uh, and really snuffing out every opportunity that he tried to pick out, but it, it definitely was not his day. And I think Poro had, 
some of the same issues on his side of the pitch as well. But I, I do think that defensively, it, we really didn't do much wrong. I know City got a couple of pretty clear chances that they squandered, but you know, overall, I felt like we 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 did enough defensively. Yeah, I mean, anytime anytime City goes almost ninety minutes without scoring a goal, you've you've done really well defensively. Um, I think like Carolina was getting out with the fullbacks. I would say that the single uh, most dominant reason the city won the matches, they, they were set up to shut Udogi and Poro down. Um, that box they played in the midfield, those, those two defensive midfielders, um, I would, I would put money on Pep really building a game plan around keeping those two quiet and, and having his defensive midfielders really mark Pogi, Poro and Udogi. Uh, Pogi is a nice nickname for those two. Pogi, yeah, it's a great fullback pairing, but when Oporo and Udogi didn't have the space they, they usually are afforded to operate in. Um, when you don't have the space, you try to find space elsewhere and that disjoints your passing patterns and triangles are skewed. And I think Pep just honestly, I don't want to say masterclass, give him too much credit, but Pep did a really good job of setting his team up to, to keep those two quiet. And as as anyone, you know, with his football and IQ would have recognized throughout the years, their play has been the most dominant part of why we've been good, right? So, um, yeah, I, I think City just just beat us tactically today, and, and it's part of the reason we were so shit. Well, I think they really did in the first half where they, again, didn't score a goal. They really, like, the, the, the pressure that they were able to put, especially on Udogi's side with not only Phil Foden getting forward, but Adogi was basically left with a choice. Do I defend Phil Foden or do I defend Kyle Walker? And it was like, pick your poison. And if he stays in on Foden, the ball's going out wide to Walker where he can do really good things with it. And if he goes out to Walker, that leaves Foden in the middle for Van de Ven to have to come over and cover. And then that exposes everything in the middle where Romero then has to shift over and you've got you know, Alvarez, Silva, all those guys just barreling into the center of the box. So it really left... Udogi in a tough spot in the second half they came out and for the first 15 minutes or so Spurs had like control and they were more aggressive and more forward thinking with the ball and there were you know I'm not going to say there were a couple of chances there weren't as as you said Caroline there was one shot on goal in this game you're not going to win many games when you have one shot and shot on goal unless it goes in and you play superb on the other end like it, it's just the, the percentage chances are not there um it's the kind of shit we saw you know under the previous couple managers so um it's it's tough to watch something like that but it, it like you're right scott like pep kind of had this one like he, he he knew what he was doing and that is unfortunate um speaking of unfortunate let's talk about this goal because i know it's gonna come with a little bit of controversy. It looked like a foul. Uh, VAR, as well as Paul Tierney, said it wasn't a foul. Um, I don't know. I thought Ange had kind of the best response after the match where he said basically that. He said, you know, the referee and VAR looked at it and said it wasn't, so that's we'll have to live with that decision. Um, it is kind of an unfortunate way to go out. I didn't think it was clear cut but i definitely thought there was enough in it where we've seen that foul given but when you when you play a game on a knife's edge like this i feel like these are the margins where 
sometimes these calls go your way and sometimes they don't. Am I being too gregarious in my position there? Am I being too logical? I don't think so. I, I think when it really comes down to it for me, it was a shit game to begin with. I said in the chat, this has got to be the most underwhelming way for this match to end that you could possibly find. Right. Um, I think pending replays and everybody's thinking about what that entails. Ultimately we've talked about VAR just kind of having the willpower to make whatever decision that, you know, their heart desires in the moment. And I think from a refereeing perspective, you look at how drab the game was that something finally came of it. Um, and just decide you're going to take the opportunity to have one team win and not, you know, see a replay for, for Man City, who will have all kinds of matches. And, um, you know, poor old little Tottenham, finally, you know, the hoodoo's broken and City scored at the lane. So I don't want to sound like Todd with the narrative affirming decisions necessarily, but I think this is we're going to leave that to Caroline. She's going to do yeah, that, right, I, I guarantee right. you. <laughs> but the last the last thing I'll say and then I will like Caroline get 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 to it, but it it just feels like a a, a coin flip and well, I shouldn't say that because all the power's in the referee's hands. There's no chance here, right? But just an opportunity to pick left or right and they decided that the goal was gonna stand. So yeah, for the benefit of the listeners, my display name for this recording is number two, Paul Tierney hater, because unfortunately the number one Paul Tierney hater could not be on the pod with us today. Uh, I know Todd would definitely go in way harder than I'm about to, <laughs> but honestly, I I am I am pretty tired of seeing that very smug looking face. I really am. Uh, and I, I have to agree with Scott that it really did feel like kind of just a, a shrug from the officiating that they let the goal count. Um, it was like the path of least resistance for them because I, I think it was one of those where they, they kind of justified it by the whole, it has to be a clear and obvious error rationale for VAR. And I mean, like you said, it's not, it's not that it was the most egregious foul on a goalkeeper that we've ever seen. But I do think it was one, and I do think we we have seen even lighter fouls on keepers called, and so that that's just what makes it frustrating. Um, and I, I guess my justification for saying that I do believe it was a foul is that, you know, we we've seen that Vicario has very quick reflexes. He easily could have gotten back up to, you know, stop that second attempt on goal from Ake if he was not being impeded by Ruben Diaz. And that, that's just how I see it. You know, he's he's got his legs all tangled up in him. He can't get up. So for me, it is a foul. And it, it is disappointing to see a game that was so, so tense. And so, like you said, the fine margins to have it be decided by such a just lackluster, disappointing goal. Um, I don't I don't think that's like great for the competition either, but it is what it is. This was the first match, and this is look. I'm not going to blame Vicario for what happened, but this was the first match where I watched Vicario, and I thought, "Oh, he doesn't look like the Vicario that we've come to know in the, in this these first six months with him at the club." Um, there was the one that he kind of spilled, where, where you know, where he made the save, and then he kind of spilled it out in the middle and had to rush to cover it up. Uh, there were just a couple of I thought nervy moments from him, and that wasn't a nervy moment at the end there where the goal came up. He 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 thought he was fouled, but. 
there are also moments where you've just got to like fight through that. And look, the defense in general around that set piece was just not good. Um, it wasn't all on him. They, they probably should have had someone, you know, standing on that near post. But I thought that Scott, the point you made about the, the way the game and like for that to be the end of the game for me, it was just a big, it like, it was a big deflating of a balloon. Like it was just, we were all psyched about, Oh, maybe we're going to get through this without, you know, without conceding and get to a replay and for it to end like that it was just like a big i don't know scott it was a big wet fart like that's all like that's all it felt like to me it was just a big dud of an ending it's like oh really that's how this is gonna go that's not fun that's yeah well especially when you have so much so much build up to this match i mean if you've been watching any soccer media right it's not the most prevalent conversation. There's others, but it's it's high up there, right? Everybody's looking forward to, to Spurs and City and the narrative around City never having scored at the stadium. And um, as we talked about on the last show, anytime you can get Spurs in the spotlight, you know your ratings are going to look good because either you're either a fan of them or you despise them, right, and want the worst for them, so you tune in. Um, so, yeah, a lot of buildup to a match that, again, like I've said a couple times on the show already, was just a really shit match. And... Um, I will also say the goal shouldn't have stood, but we deserve nothing from this match. And if you had to pick a winner today, you'd have to say the city was the deserving winner. And um, I'm I'm not going to sit here and blame refereeing for the loss because we were, again, just really bad today. We were. It's not good. Um, what else is there to say other than go win the fucking league now? Like, that's kind of where we're at um spurs have brentford on wednesday at home that obviously is i mean every every match from here on out is like a cup final because not only are you trying to do the unthinkable but you're at least trying to put yourself in position to be in the top four and to be in europe and um just to 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 go forward and like continue to build on this thing and i think that's you know listening to Ange for anyone who doesn't for any of our listeners who don't actually listen to like the full press conferences that Ange gives, they really do kind of whether it's pre or post, but especially the post game matches, you know, uh, press conferences after matches, they really are calming. And the one today was only about five or six minutes long, but it was extremely like he was complimentary to city, but in a way that, made you feel like he knows that that's the mountain to climb and in a in a in a, in a macro sense you know that is a really cool thing to hear from your manager like yeah that's where we're headed we, we can see what they have and that's what we want from a micro sense it's also cool because you know you see left on the on the on the fixture list like this is all we've got to play for now is is league position and spurs sit fifth and they're eight points off the top and there's something to fight for now. And now that, you know, players are getting healthy. We saw James Madison, as I mentioned, come back today. Players are going to be returning from international duty. We know kind of what's laid out in front of this team. There's there's a goal to accomplish now. Um, and like, Caroline, I know you mentioned when, when this draw was made, you were dreading it. I wasn't really dreading it so much as I was thinking, okay, either it's going to be really fucking cool that we're going to knock City out of the cup that they won last year and we're going to have a really good chance to go on and win it 
or we're, we ourselves are going to get knocked out and then have one singular focus for the rest of this season. And I, I kind of looked at it in a really strange and twisted way as a win-win in, in terms of this draw. And now that we know which way it's gone, we have that focus. I, I know I sound like way too positive after a defeat, but that's just kind of where I'm at on this. Like I, I really am. I'm not cool with it. Obviously I would have wanted to win the match and go on in the competition, but I'm, I'm really just, and kind of is the, the balm for all of this for me. And that's kind of, he, he fixes a lot of my, my, my hurt feelings all the time when it comes to these defeats, because I know that there's something being built. Well, I definitely think you're taking the healthier perspective. So that's good. <laughs> one of us has to be the, the sane one here, but no, I think for me, the reason it was a deflating draw and then a deflating loss is because I knew that we would have to be at our absolute best to beat Manchester city because like, like Ann just said, they, they basically are the gold standard and, you know, I want us to get to that point at some point in the near future. I hope, you know, we never have to go the sports washing route to achieve that <laughs> as they have, but it's, it, it's not like, we're in a bad situation having gotten knocked out of the cup because this is still Angie's first season. We do have to be a little realistic about what's, what's possible. Um, and, you know, just the timing of having this FA cup round during AFCON during the Asian cup, that's, that's inconvenient, but again, things you can't control things Ange can't control for sure. Um, but I think that it's, it's okay that we're going to have just full focus on the league now. And we do have a pretty favorable stretch of fixtures coming up. So I'm, I'm hoping we can pick up some good, you know, good wins in the stretch and build some momentum and just kind of put the, put the cups in the rearview mirror, you know, nothing we can do about it now and just commit to, to doing the best we can in the league. Cool. And we have 17 matches left, I believe. Um, that's 17 weeks, which is anywhere from 68 to 82 more training sessions. Um, that's depending on if they get one or two days off every week. I have no idea, right? But I don't suspect more than two. Um, but 17 weeks to take an entire week of five training sessions and prepare for your opponent, it doesn't break up to, you know, seven days in between every match exactly. But the, the, the I was told there was not going to be any math. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just the the minimal amount that I'm willing to do, but no, I there's every reason to think we could we could really buckle in and focus on the league and do something special. Um, I I think right now for me, if if we can walk away from from the league and in uh, in the top four position, I'll be super happy. I'd love to go into Andy's second year with Champions League football and um, you know that much more time. Uh, on the, on, uh, or under the belt of Ange and everything he's trying to do. So, um, I think right now it's super important to ha have ambitions and there's every reason to think we can, we can make up eight points when there's 51 available or something like that, uh, remaining and all those training sessions at our disposal. Um, so, so let's go and be, be brave and, and go for it. And I would expect nothing, nothing less from Ange for sure. And to Caroline's point, the fixture list looking forward is is not all that daunting. I mean, look, every match in the Premier League is difficult to some extent, but uh, I mentioned it's home to Brentford on Wednesday, on deadline day, that is. Uh, and then next weekend, a trip to Everton, which 
okay trip to everton that's never like the, the most fun trip but it is what it is after that it's three out of four at home uh brighton wolves and palace the one away trip is to stanford bridge so that's always fun uh and then villa after that a trip to villa who are you know obviously right in this thing too so there's there's a lot to look forward to in the in the coming weeks and um you know i i'm i'm just i'm excited to see the the continued growth from this team and and of course you're right caroline good 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 shout in the, in our chat here that match against chelsea will get postponed because chelsea have made the league cup final but regardless that match is going to get pushed away and further down the line and you know spurs will that's probably even better for spurs because you're going to get healthier and, and more of those training sessions that scott is, is talking about um under your belt and and the growth of this team and and you know the new players that have been added this month and who knows who could be added uh, over the final days of the window. So it, it, it's all positive for me. Speaking of that, before we move on to to talking about the women's team and, and their great performance, like what are, do you guys have any expectations for these final few days of the January window? I know there's been a lot of stuff flying out there and we, we talked last week at length about the fact that Spurs have gotten, we think most of their, if not all of their business done early on in this window, uh, are there any expectations in terms of incomings, outgoings, any of that from from either of you guys? I don't have any expectations, but I think if if we really want to be ambitious um, and we went and signed a creative attacking midfielder, it would be a huge boost to the squad, the fans, the club. Um, so, so no expectations by any means, but I would really like to see them go out and bring one more player in. Again, an attack of attacking creative midfielder. We heard, we saw David Ornstein tweet about Spurs still pressing to attempt to get Gallagher before the end of the window, which really surprised me. I think he's one of two people whose treat, tweets I would actually take as as legitimate information, right, when it comes to this type of stuff. So, um, if we win and got Chelsea's captain by the end of the window, it would certainly be a sign. Um, of how abruptly the tables have turned in in London for sure between these two clubs and it would be something that I I think would be really good for our ambitions of top 4 and beyond. Yeah, that would be nice if we could get in just a little bit more creativity for the squad because unfortunately I think you know, we continue to find out that Lacelso is not a reliable player in terms of fitness. Which is sad because you know when he when he's on he's on, but uh, yeah, I but I don't think I necessarily think it's likely that we'll bring anybody in. It just it kind of feels like the flip side of you know being really glad that we got business done early is that now we're going to have a pretty boring deadline day probably, <laughs> which I guess I prefer that we we did get the players in early that we really needed so that they could settle in. Um, I think there's also maybe slight possibility we make a signing that's more of, you know, like a development opportunity. Like I think we talked, was it last episode about the, the Norwegian guy? Um, so someone who might not even be with the team for the second half of the season, but, you know, goes back on loan to where they were currently playing and they're one for the future. So that's a possibility. Yeah. All in favor. I'm, I'm certainly certainly there. I, and in terms of outgoing, it certainly doesn't like, I haven't heard or read anything, you know, imminent, but there, there's always that possibility as well. Um, but yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. I, I, it, it's kind of, it's weird to be in the position of 
most of the business has been done and we're still, you know, five or six days away from five days away from, from the end of the window. And we're just like, yeah, okay, whatever happens, happens. We we've, we've done pretty much what we expected, which is really quite great. Um, let's, let's talk about Tottenham Hotspur women because this was a really nice victory yesterday. Uh, Thursday, I, I try not to use yesterday because people would not be listening to this uh, exactly when we're recording it, obviously, but um, 3-0 over Southampton, Caroline, and this was, um, I thought, a pretty comprehensive win. Um, the, you know, the, the, the goals, you know, the first goal was a deflected chance um, from Petzelberger, but like it was comprehensive in the sense that they just kind of kept the foot on the gas and did what they needed to do. And Sure enough, advanced out of uh, out of the group in second. Um, it's so weird. We we look back at the, the the League Cup draw and Arsenal being in it, and the the one result against Arsenal in the League Cup came before the victory over them at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in WSL play. But that away result was a shootout loss that was the only difference between these two teams in the group stage. It's kind of remarkable. But what was your takeaway from from this result on Thursday? Uh, I think mainly just relief that it was as straightforward of a win as it was because we knew our fate was in our hands. If we got a win, we were through to the knockouts. And I don't know how much we want to get into the Aston Villa of it all, but that that could have gotten really complicated and involves too much math, I think, for this podcast. But yeah, well, for, for those who don't know, <laughs> let me just t- touch on it really quickly. For those who don't know, Aston Villa, Aston Villa used a player who was a essentially ineligible because she was cup tied. So there could be a lot of finagling with the standings going on moving forward. But what we do know is that Spurs are through and they're in the quarterfinals of the league cup, which is a great spot to be. Like, I think that's all that needs to be said. If you want to look into it, look into it because it is a wild story, but, but yes, please not to cut you off, but go on. No. Yeah. That's a good explanation. And, you know, like I said, we just needed the win and, I felt like the the lineup that Robert Villahan put out was obviously had rotation, but I think was still a very strong team and honestly just speaks to how much our squad depth has improved this season. Because, you know, not only did we have a, a side starting that was very capable of winning the game on their own, we also had really strong subs off the bench. And we did see some of those, you know, one of them scored. So that, that's all great too. But I, I did think one interesting thing just from the starting lineup is that Becky Spencer started in goal. You know, she was not in the match day squad for the last WSL game. So that was a little strange to me. I was wondering, you know, is there an injury? So it was good to see her out there. I thought she actually had a very strong game and probably was the best we've seen her since uh, the World Cup, honestly, with Jamaica. So I, I feel like we do kind of have a situation where Barbara Votikova has kind of solidified that number one spot, it feels like. And we, we might only be seeing Becky in the cup games, but, you know, I, I thought she put in a great performance and that was nice to see. We also had a debut for Amanda Nilden, you know, our new left fullback. So because she was starting, we had Charlie Grant um, out on the right side instead, whereas we had seen her on the left side previously. So, like, we learned a lot from this game. It was really good. You know, we got the result, but we also got to see a lot more from our new signings uh, that also included Matilda Vinbear. She was uh, playing as well. And 
I, I liked what we saw of Amanda Nilden in terms of the attack. She had a few kind of dodgy moments on defense, but you know, I, I think Robert wants his fullbacks to be really attacking. So I think she's going to end up being a pretty good fit. And, you know, we, we may think about triggering that um, option for her, her loan to become permanent. We'll see. But yeah, it was great to see Ramona Petzelberger get her first goal for the club. Um, you know, she's been with us for quite a while, but had, you know, major injury that, that kept her out for most of her first season. So I, I think we've, we've seen some good stuff from her and her appearances this season. Um, and then Charlie Grant also getting her first goal from a set piece kind of, you know, cleanup opportunity. And then Grace Clinton just doing Grace Clinton things when she came in as a sub and scoring, you know, just a superb kind of not necessarily solo effort. It was assisted, but just the shot was just pure quality. So, you know, it's, it's the same thing every week. Like how much do we have to, to tempt Manchester United with to keep her. <laughs> the uh, the rotation also is probably a little bit with a look ahead to the weekend because, and again, we're recording this Friday night here in the States. Um, Manchester City is, is the next opponent. And we all remember what happened the last time Manchester City was the opponent. It was not pretty whatsoever, a 7-0 defeat. Um, but this is now a team that, you know, since that Arsenal victory, it's been three straight after that one or two of them in the cup, one in the FA Cup, one in the League Cup and another WSL win. This is a team that kind of like the men's team has a, a focus now in an upward trajectory where they can, you know, look to this. This is the start of the second half of the season, essentially, for Spurs women. Um, they've played 11, 11 to go in the WSL. And it starts with with City, which is a big, big challenge. But the fixtures will, you know, start to pile up here. And uh, like, I, I like that there is some rotation to show some of that depth. Um, the depth that was on the bench for, for this league cup match was, was a lot of, you know, normal starting players. So that is important. Um, but what, what do we think about city? Like I, this feels like hang on for kind of like it does on the other side of things. Hang, hang on for dear life is, is what it feels like. Right. Yeah, I think Robert put it pretty well in his press conference where he said that no one is expecting us to win this game, but we could win this game because, you know, we I do feel like we picked up some really positive momentum at the start of this, you know, new year. And there could be some potential injury misses for Manchester City. I haven't seen their injury report yet, but I know that they had, you know, quite a few concerns from their their league cup match with United. So I, I think Bunny Shaw, especially was one who kind of took a couple of hits and I mean, I love Bunny Shaw, so I, I don't want her to be injured, but at the same time, it would be nice to not have a hat trick scored against us <laughs> as she always seems to do. Um, but honestly, I, I feel like we can approach this game, you know, the rematch with a lot more confidence than the first go around um, just because of how well we've been playing. The fact that, the new signings are really integrating well. We got Beth England back and, you know, she didn't get a goal in this cup game, but she did in the previous one. So um, I, I just think we're, we're definitely trending upward and, um, you know, to dare us to do. Is there any more kind of like, I mean, we talked about it on the men's side too. Like a lot of the business got done early, but are there any more rumblings in terms of incomings, outgoings for the rest of, of the January window? Because that is another thing that 
on on the women's side, they they got a lot of the business done early. It's kind of nice. Yeah, the only thing is that we did just let Esmita Ale go out on loan to Leicester, which I think is kind of tough for her personally because you know she's a young player that I think a lot of us were really excited about and hopeful about, but she just hasn't seemed to find her place in in the team lately. Um, but because she went out, we now have, you know, an extra spot in the squad. And I think I haven't heard anything concrete about, you know, any, any targets, but we really could use another center back just with, you know, Shalina and Gracie both going out on loan. We're pretty thin there. And Luana Buller, she's just got that persistent injury that, you know, we can't, we can't count on her playing every game right now. I don't feel like. Um, and Amy Turner, I will give her credit. She's done a much better job than I was expecting filling in for her. But she also has, you know, some fitness concerns and she's not been playing full 90s. So I if, if there is an opportunity, even if it's just to get a player in on loan at center back, I think that's really the only the move that we need to make. Fair enough. Um I think that's about all we've got for you this week on the Tottenham Depot. Um, we're going to be back with you. We, we, we may end up doing a little like mini pod after the men play Brentford midweek. We'll, we'll see deadline. There, there's a lot. If, if it, if we feel it warranted, if not, we'll be back with you next weekend to recap uh, not only Manchester city on the women's side uh, and they play Liverpool after that, but the men play Brentford and then they play, who do they play next week? I don't even remember. I'm only focused on oh, it's it's that's the Everton game on Saturday, the third. So a lot of a lot of games to talk about, a lot of transfer news. I'm sure in the in the coming days as the the window winds down, um, it is nice to not feel like super pressured to to be like on our toes over the next few days because, like I said, a lot of the business has been done. But um, we will we will be back with you to to, to recap some of what we miss uh but until then uh you can follow caroline at cg stefka you can follow scott at scott g bird you can follow me at a setka most importantly follow us at tottenham depot on twitter instagram threads tiktok all the fun places um also be sure to go look up our youtube it's at tottenham depot as well uh we're gonna be hopefully putting some more content up on the youtube and perhaps even throwing a live show in here and there uh, when we feel it warranted, as long as we can get those numbers up and get some subscribers on the YouTube page. So be sure to look at that as well. Um, that's going to do it for us here. Until next week, as always, come on you Spurs. <laughs>